Let's hear from one of our latest sponsors, Max One. As you know by now, Max One is the all-in-one coaching app that allows your team to train, communicate, and stay organized all in one easy-to-use spot. With all these useful features for one low price, I can't emphasize enough the value Max One can bring to your program, especially as the summer months heat up and you continue to plan your off-season. I know how hard it is to keep your athletes engaged once summer hits and your team starts to head in different directions. I'm confident Max One can solve these problems for you and keep your program connected to help ensure you run the most effective off-season as possible. Max One allows you to create individualized workouts for each player on your team with videos attached and deliver them right into your athlete's phone, eliminating spreadsheets and paper handouts. And you can then combine these workouts into an entire off-season program tailor-made to fill the weeks leading up to your season so that your athletes stay in the gym all summer long. You can even track your athletes' progress on the Max One leaderboards to see the work your team is putting in, keeping everyone on the team accountable while encouraging a culture of competition. I also love how the calendar feature allows you to keep everyone in your program on the same page. Workouts, schedules, open gym, or tournament games can all be organized via color-coded schedules, ensuring your athletes are in the loop with details on whatever events you have planned this summer. To learn more about how Max One can help you run your program this offseason, head to their website at gomaxone.com. That's go, M-A-X, one O-N-E dot com. And schedule a free 15-minute demo with a Max One program specialist. As always, mention that Coach Brendan Sir sent you and receive a special discount if you decide to purchase. Again, visit www.gomaxone.com right now to schedule a free demo. You won't be disappointed. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach Brendan Sir, and I'll tell you what, uh, one of my dear friends in coaching, Matthew Driscoll, the head coach of the University of North Florida, is going to knock your socks off and share some nuggets with you, and what a teacher he is. So after this time out, you're going to get a treat, Matthew Driscoll from the University of North Florida. Fast Model Sports is the world's most comprehensive versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding in the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and iPad to providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. It doesn't stop there. Along with FastPro, they have other great programs such as Fast Scout, which helps coaches create clean, professional scouting reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by all NBA and WNBA teams, 85% of Division I college teams, and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills on their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. 
and one of my dearest friends in coaching, Matthew Driscoll, the head coach at the University of North Florida, my son's alma mater, and it's fitting him so well. Uh, one of the great schools in the state of Florida is our guest today. Matthew, welcome, my friend. Swoop! I like to hear that. That's always great to know that we got them all over the place. Yeah. It's, uh, it's yeah. an honor. And, and, and uh, I know you know this, but I'm extremely humbled to, to be invited to do this. There's been so many, so many, so many great people that you've had on, so much great knowledge and learning. And it's amazing how I got Chris Oliver, a guy who in 1997 came and worked our camps in Wyoming, has, has come full circle now. And I know he's, he's really, really entrenched with you and it's just it's just cool to see how all these different guys have developed and, and grown and you and, and obviously what you've done in, in this platform that you put out there is part of it and uh, and we're thankful for it I'm, I'm thankful that you allowed me to do this well Matthew thanks and uh, our friendship goes way back and uh, through a lot of mutual friends but Larry Shiad uh, yeah. got the godfather <laughs> of coaching uh, Larry said we're getting old I said speak for yourself brother we're the same age you know <laughs> but you know but you know and, and I think and Larry is the opposite of being old he's so young in his ideas and his relationships but you know, and being, and what is, what's Larry Shiat, your relationship with him? What is that, the influence that that's had on you as a head coach? You, you know, as, as a, as a person, he's just so genuine and he has such a servant's mentality and he's always wanted to have you to reach your best, reach your full potential and to, to do the things that you've always wanted to do. So he just pours in and pours in and pours in. And because of that, he has established himself and has grown to where he has gotten to today. And, you know, when coach and I first got together, he was an assistant at Providence and I was a head coach taking our team to team camp. And that's what kind of started. He'd come to Pittsburgh and I'd pick him up and, and I would take him to the different camps and I would hang out with him. And then it just kind of blossomed and grew. And then one day he called me and, you know, said, you want to be a cowboy? And next thing you know, it's my first opportunity. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a good, it was a good cowboy back yeah. in those days. And uh, it was the first opportunity for me. I'll tell you that funny story one day when we're not doing the podcast. Um, but uh, it, it was a great opportunity because I'd never been a full-time coach before and I always wanted to be. Uh-huh. And uh, to go with him and, and to go that far away from home and to go that, you know, across Mississippi and first time leaving Pittsburgh and you know, obviously never to return. It was just a, it was just great to have someone like him that really cared about you as a human being. He, you never felt like you were used. You always felt like you were with him. You never felt like you were – you always felt like it was a team. It was camaraderie. It was family. It was it was always a wee thing with him, and uh, and that, that that's what the beautiful thing was. And really learned so much as a human, so much from a recruiting aspect, um, so much from a basketball, especially from the defensive side of the ball. And um, and the one thing else I learned was was pay attention to detail, and how little details make the biggest difference. And he really, really, really stressed that and really believed that in his marriage. He believed that in raising his children, mm-hmm. and he believed that in when he went on the basketball court. So when you look at those three areas and you watch that every day, and you know, just it right in front of you just evolves. And now when you have your own children and your own marriage, and now your own program, you know, he actually turned the job down and had an opportunity to be the head coach here. And um, um, when I called him and said, "Hey, you know, they're offering me the job," I'd never seen the place, and he said, "Don't worry about it. North Florida is." 
more beautiful than you can ever imagine. Just take the job. So that's kind of how it happened. <laughs> I'll tell you that since we're talking about, uh, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm sincere when I say I love the University of North Florida. So when my son was there, you know, he was a golfer, and they, that was the only Division One sport there at the time was golf. And uh, so it was a D2 program, and I said to myself, I think I was with the Knicks at the time, and I said, man, this is the kind of place I'd like to be a head coach. We could make this a Division One program. You know, they had a wow. wonderful – Yeah, I said that. You know, like, you no, know, I was waiting around for him to, you know, to come and meet me for lunch or dinner. And, and you know, and I just loved it. And, and, and you know what? And then when Shai, you know, said it, and then you got it, and I said, boy, it's going to turn into something really neat. And, and you've done an incredible job incredible job matthew of uh, well i, I appreciate that and you know our schedule is always you know difficult because we have to play so many games because you know, yeah. part of it and part of it at this level is just funding the yeah. athletic department as well too and, and bringing in funds and you know we're two and 53 against power fives and we played 70 in our 10 10 seasons we played so far so 70 years so you know those two years we had 45 wins we had 12 money losses and, um, you know, it just, it is what it is. Uh, but it's an unbelievable campus. I, I, I really believe it. You know, when people say a diamond in a rough, I believe a diamond in a rough is only good if you're going to polish it and work it and really get it to shine. And to do that, you know this probably as well as anyone. And I would assume a lot of people have talked about this on your podcast. But if you don't surround yourself with good people, then it's going to be very hard for you to, to move forward. And we have about 120 years of experience on our staff. So, it's so critical to have a beautiful place, beautiful arena, staff that really pours in and cares and is passionate. You end up getting the kind of guys we get, and then you end up, you know, doing doing great things. But you got to have players. And anybody who thinks you don't have players is a fool. Anybody who wins, they got players. And and I learned that from Patino. I remember Patino speaking one time. He had just gotten back from the Celtics. I think he had just left the Celtics, and he said, "Look, man, I." Man, I, I I had ballers, man. When I was at Kentucky, I had, what do you have, four first-round yep. picks the year they won the championship? I mean, so if you don't think it takes talent, then then really you don't understand coaching. Um, you know, people think Saban is, you know, this is, is this, that, and the other thing. But let me tell you something now. He's got some unbelievable talent that he's working with. But the key is how do you mold them? How do you manage them? How do you blend them? How do you do all those things? Now, that is the part of, of coaching that, that separates guys. Matthew, when you when you start out, and I and, and you know we try to educate, as you know from listening, uh, you know uh, the guys that are wannabe uh, assistant college coaches, they mm-hmm. are guys that are assistant coaches and stuff. That path of being an assistant, of which I think I'm on my 46th year of coaching, and I think 44 of them has, have been as an assistant. Okay, and uh, there's an art to being an assistant. What when you're you were a great one, you know, with Scott Drew, with Shy, but when when you're hiring and you have some really good ones, uh, what what are you looking for? What do you teach? You, you know, sometimes this, and I talk about this all the time, Brendan, to that when I speak at every orientation or when I speak to to different people and and even even our own team. Like if you don't embrace where your feet are planted then you're never going to be any good at what you do. You're always going to be chasing. You're always going to be wanting. You're always going to be going going to the next whatever instead of taking care of where you're at. And if you take care of where you're at, Larry Shiat, Scott Drew, Jerry Slocum, I mean, Doug, Doug Novak, uh, Lenny Acuff, um, I, if I could go right down the list with some more. Like, if you take care of where your feet are planted and embrace what you're doing, then everything else will take care of itself. 
But too many guys want to put in a microwave, hit 130, hit start, and the next thing you know, it's ready. But in reality, you know this, a good meal comes from the oven. So sometimes it takes 20 minutes. Sometimes you got to preheat it. Sometimes you got to flip it halfway through. So when I was an assistant, the one thing I did is I just, I love to pour into the guys. I love to protect coach as best I could. And I love to have a relationship with amongst my own staff to see where I could learn, to see where I could help them grow, to see where we could be together because your staff is, is so critical. If it's splintered, if guys are walking out saying, he's my guy, he's my guy, he's this, I do this, I do that. Well, if you got all those splinters and all those people going in different directions, then how are you ever going to get on the same path or on the same page? Or in this? So I really learned from Coach and, 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 and Coach Drew as well, too, that you really have to be, be locked into each other. you got to be locked into who you are. I and mean, when you take over a murder like we did in 03, like there weren't many people that wanted to be around you. <laughs> Every time we went out to eat, they asked you to do a wand search and everything on to see, see if you had anything on you. I mean, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> but, 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 but when you have that kind of group and you have those guys together and you're getting through those days and you're going to the University of North Florida and you're getting through those days, when, when you're working through them and you're fighting through them, it's the guys beside you that make it the greatest. And then those guys continually move and move and move and they get this and they get that. And next thing you know, Larry Shiat, as an assistant, gets a job. He offers me a job in Wyoming. I take it. The following year, Dennis Felton, who I work Clemson's camp with all the time, he offered me um, a, a really, really nice position in Western Kentucky to leave Wyoming and to go with him. But I didn't. Next thing you know, Coach gets Clemson. Bada bing, bada boom. I'm at Clemson. I work Clemson camp. Coach Kennedy and Coach Evans come and work camp. That's how I start that relationship. Now they're on my staff. How about that? So, so it's it and, and you know it's it's just it's just I think too many people nowadays are just so eager to to to, to like I say this all the time. I say this to the staff. I say this to other people. Like everybody wants to be a head coach. Like everybody wants to be me. Everybody wants my job. Well, why don't you just be great at your job and then figure out what's going to happen down the road and then whatever happens happens. And and that's what it was with Coach Drew. That's what it was with Coach Shide. I mean, I just poured in and wasn't a yes man and 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 had an opinion and 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 because of that and and protected, which is huge part of an assistant's job, is to protect the head coach. And I don't mean from from doing something wrong. I mean from like getting him out of this or taking him to this or making sure he's here or making sure he doesn't forget this or he because there's so much stuff that's going on in your brain. And sometimes as an Pete, Pete Strickland, the great Pete Strickland, yeah. he, he told me something great when I got the job. He, he, he said, listen, Driss, whatever you do, allow yourself to be a coach and to oversee and to see what's going on. So two assistants always coach each team and Coach Kennan runs the practices. And the reason is because Pete was in the drills the first three days and the assistant was standing on the sideline. And one day he came in the office after the third practice and the assistant said, bup, 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 bup. And Pete was like, what do you think you know? What do you think you're talking about? How do you know all this stuff? And the dude's like, coach, you're in the middle of the drill. You don't even know what you're – you're in the middle getting hit and getting balls bounced off you. And I'm standing here on the sideline watching, and I get to see everything that's going on wrong. And Pete's like, that was a great lesson for him. And when he told me that, it was a great lesson for me too. So um, it's just, you know, those are the kind of things as an assistant you put in a book, you put in a notebook, you put in your coaching you – um, 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 video package. You put all that stuff together, and now next thing you know, you got this stuff. And when you're ready to go out and get this job or take this job, you got some stuff that you can work with. And and Coach Drew was, 
was phenomenal with that. He, he, he taught me so much as well. And he's been an incredible mentor to me. Um, um, so it's, you know, I'm not sure I answered your no, question. No, 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 that, that is fabulous. And I, <laughs> I, I said, let's go, let's stop. Uh, because one of the things I want to talk about when we come back from this break, I want to talk about the Drew family in coaching. Okay. We're right back. Let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind in the basketball shooting machine industry that enables players and coaches to stay connected, design and upload training exercises, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is, without question, the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Don't forget to mention Coaching You and receive $300 off on your next Dr. Dish purchase. That's right. Mention Coaching You or the podcast and get $300 off your Dr. Dish. You had a chance to work with Scott Drew. You talked about the Baylor situation when you took it over. You know, it was it wasn't a... It wasn't a bad program. There was no program, and it had just come mm. off one of the biggest tragedies we've ever seen in college. But the Drew family, from Homer, uh, Scott is a remarkable human being and coach. And So I, I call him one of my five most underrated coaches in America. Yeah, no doubt about that. Right? <laughs> and, 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 and Bryce, uh, you know, I almost drafted him with the magic. I uh, love the guy. The, you know, so it's an incredible family. Talk about them, the opportunity you had to work with Scott and then, you know, the different parts of the family? Well, first of all, Janet's the best. So the mother's the one that held the whole thing together. So don't be fooled by any of that. How about that? But, uh, but, 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 but here's what's crazy. First of all, you talk, go back to being an assistant. So I'm assistant on a coach's committee and I go to Minneapolis. We go to Kelly's bar. How about that? Same final four as was this year. Kelly's bar I actually drove by it this year. And I remembered it. We have our meeting in the bottom of a bar, which I never could figure out. I don't drink. But I never could figure out why we'd have an assistant coach me in the bottom of the bar. But anyways, we got this meeting. Scott Drew's there. He's sitting across from me. He's the first vice president of all the assistants. And we're talking. I think he's Bryce the whole time. I think he's the guy that made the shot. <laughs> and uh, so we're going back and forth. And finally, I figured out, like, you idiot, that's not him. Well, long story short, he resigned from being the first, um, uh, the first vice president. And he says, this guy here should be, should be, he points to me. He said, he should be the guy. Look at his notes. Look at his questions. He cares about making a difference. This guy should be the first vice president. Well, that was our interaction. How about that? Well, what's crazy is, lo and behold, we get let go of Clemson. He needs an older guy on his staff because he's 31 and I'm 39 and I get the job. That's how I meet Scott Drew. I get to the job. When I get to the job, first person I meet is Homer Drew. He's the first person I meet. And, 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 and Coach Drew, obviously, or Homer Drew, I should say, I call him Coach, but, but, but Homer is the first guy I meet. He takes me in this office, his back wing, and he interviews me first. And he starts asking me questions. Hey, what do you think about the Kansas break? What do you think about the way Roy Williams does it? What do you, and I'm thinking to myself, what is he talking about? 
So we're talking, kicking it, you know, going through this whole thing. Well, lo and behold, I get the job. Coach Drew, first thing he tells me, he gives me like eight tapes from Kansas and says, I want you to figure this whole thing out the way in which it. So we still, to this day, we still enter the ball exactly like them. We cut the lane line exactly like them. And what's crazy is that my short time at Valparaiso, my six years at Baylor, we never did anything like Kansas did. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but, but it was a great exercise. But, but that's how I met Homer Drew. And, and then, then Bryce was I, I, on my interview. I was to work out some guys. And Bryce was supposed to be one of those guys. I was super excited. I had a big-time workout with this NBA dude through a workout and all this stuff. He came walking in with a Starbucks coffee. And I'm like, this brother obviously decided he ain't working out today. So that was my first interaction with Bryce. But but um, I didn't know about his heart ailment. And I didn't know about how he almost could never play basketball again when he was a sophomore in high school. And, and uh, but, but, but grew through him and just learned through him. And then next thing you know, we get the Baylor job. Um, and, and we got the Baylor job. Coach Drew's like, listen, I really want you to come with me because you got all the experience. You're the only guy here that's been, I was, you know, ACC for five years. Mm. He said, but, he said, but, we, I'd only been in Valpo for seven weeks. He said, but, if you want to stay, then my dad would love to have you. It's completely your decision, whatever you want to do. And I just prayed about it, went home, uh, talked, talked to Carrie about it, and next thing you know, we're going to Baylor. So, you know, that was kind of the deal with them. And what's crazy about them is they're, they're a family. They love each other. They, they have great um, – uh, um, uh, they're very ultra, ultra, ultra competitive. They're competitive fishing. They're competitive playing ping pong. They're competitive They're competitive at everything they do. And, uh, and that's probably why they are who they are. But but really, when you see them, they, they the way they pour into people and the way they love, um, it, ju- it just makes you feel good. It's amazing how, you know, coming from where he came from, you know – Going on nearly twenty years later, uh, roughly. Uh, that yes, he, yeah, this is this is this is his seventeenth season. How and just to be in one of the most competitive leagues in the country, and to be able to hang on. Last year, I got nervous for him to start the season. I said he would lost a lot of guys to the league, and I said he got bad team this year. And next thing you know, he turned that sucker around. Uh, what do you think? I think they're top ten preseason. Is that right? What makes them special? Yeah. Well, it's a couple things. First of all, if you take away our first four years, mm-hmm. what he's done is incredible. If you go like oh seven to now, what he's done is like incredible. Like it's hard to see how many guys could match some of the things that he's done. Um, I, t- I tell you what, he's he's an incredible. I mean, he is an incredible recruiter, and he really, really understands recruiting. He understands the levels of it. He understands the layers of it, and he really, really like when he comes in the office. Uh, I, so, when you're an assistant, this is a good, this is a good little nugget. Make sure you always get the furthest office from the head coach, because then you'll get the most players come see. You. Then you get to kick out, kick it around with them, have have relations with them because no one ever wants to go by the head coach's office. So there's a little nugget. Uh, so when coach would come in, he'd walk in the back door and come by my office, go right to his office and shut his door. Not to be impersonal, but because he was going to be on the phone and he was going to be doing emails. And he is relentless at doing that. I mean, relentless. And because of that, we've lost some guys too because some guys it rubs the wrong way. But his ability to get through those levels in those layers. And the other thing is this, like he really, really understands what he wants. He knows what he can coach and he's not afraid 
to take a risk or take up, you know, take a chance on on someone that he feels like he can he can get to or he can help with. And the other thing too is this: he's the one that taught me this. Like players want to play with players, and players love to be on the floor with players. I never understood that. I never believed that. I never. I don't know. I always felt like the jealousy, the the um, touches, all that kind of garbage. And coach completely changed my philosophy on it. And it was Lace Darius Dunn that did it. Hmm. And, and and it was crazy. We had three thousand point scores. We had McDonald's All American and Tweety Carter, Louisiana kid. Lace Darius Dunn, another Louisiana kid. Those guys. Lace Darius was coming out as a freshman. I told coach, we can't take him. Coach, like these three dudes we have are going to get pissed. Things aren't going to go well. We're going to have bad chemistry. We can't take them, coach. And he said to me, Drisk, trust me on this. Just get the talent and we'll figure out how to make it work. And I'm like, coach, it doesn't work that way. Like, coach, we can't. He's like, Drisk, just get the talent. So I said, okay, okay, if that's what you want to do, then let's do it. So, again, as an assistant, you have your own opinion. But at the end of the day, everybody's on the same page. We take lace. Lace is, you know, obviously one of the greatest freshmen to ever play in the league. Average 14 a game, always came off the bench. He had 38, I think, against Texas Tech in the last game. And we ended up going to the NCAA tournament. And all four of those guys had great years. And, of course, Lace Darius Dunn ended up being the Big 12 uh, all-time leading scorer until five years ago when Buddy Hill broke it. So, I mean, um, uh, yeah, a couple years ago when Buddy Hill broke it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's Coach Drew just has a feel. And then the other thing, too, is he's really, really good at getting guys shots in the positions in which they need to get them. And, you know, you look at a guy, you, you look at guys all the way down, you know, the Pierre Jacksons or, or Epe Udo's or, or, or um, uh, 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 Perry Jones, uh, Quincy Acey. I mean, Quincy Acey, my goodness. I mean, he's a 17-year-old kid that came into our, our fold and into our mix. Uh, but Coach knew that, that he had a, some certain talents and some certain things. that. So he's gotten pro after pro after pro after pro. So that's what it is. It's his approach. Um, to understanding talent and how the talent can work together. When you became a head coach uh, 11 seasons ago uh, at North Florida, what was your, what was your first big learning up, you know, thing that like hit yeah. you and said, wow, I didn't realize that this is the difference between moving 18 inches over. Um, you know, the first thing I had to do was get rid of some players mm. and um, um, you know, so, that, that was one of the first things I did. I, I knew as the head coach, that's your job. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had to do it since then. Sure. Uh, we've had to tell some guys that, you know what, we, we've given you an opportunity. We've poured into you and you've tried your best, but it's not going to work. And, and, you know, you need to go somewhere else. Um, I think that's one of the hardest things to do. But I think that you have to do those things as well, too. Um, um, the other thing, too, about being a head coach and, and when you when you slide over to that position is, like when the day's done, like you're responsible for your staff, like their families are your responsibility, their well-being and their ability to 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 move forward or to get better or to, or to do all the like that's your responsibility. So if you're doing something you shouldn't be doing or you're out doing something immorally or you're out doing whatever or you're taking a break because you've made it or you're deciding you're not going to do this or I'm not going to do that because I'm the head coach and they're the assistants. Well, their families are so valuable and so critical to not just them, but to you and to what you stand for. So that was another big thing with me um, that, that I really, really take a lot of pride in. And I really 
um, um, uh, try to do my best is, is understanding that as a head coach as well, too. And, and everybody, every head coach is different. Everybody's got their own way in which they look at things and the way they do things. But that, that was definitely, um, I'd say getting rid of those guys immediately was, was, was huge. And, and then the other thing is the responsibility of everybody's family because it's, it's, it's a critical thing. And, and I think, I think you understand that as well, too. Mm-hmm. But, and, 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 you know, the other thing, too, about, about being a head coach, I mean, you know, there's, there, 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 there's so many responsibilities outside of, what people like I tell this all the time and the president knows this like my job at this university at the University of North Florida is so critical to the growth to the expansion to the alumni to the degree to I mean like men's basketball when we won and as we continue to win now we haven't been back to the tournament in four years but when we won and we won back to back I mean this place was on fire Admissions was on fire. The bookstore was on fire. Downtown was on fire. The city was on fire. Alumni from all over the country were on fire. I mean, it's on fire. So that's a huge responsibility. And we don't have football, praise God. So because of that, because of that, you know, it, it's a huge responsibility. So as the head coach at the University of North Florida, you know, your your face is out there, and and people want to they want to be a part of it. They want to talk to you. They want. So that's another thing about being a head coach that I don't think people really grasp is how much of that goes into it as well, too. As I told you, um, when, the, you know, the two years that uh, I was at LSU, that, you know, every time you came to play us, uh, my son was, in essence, <laughs> giving you $90,000 donation or whatever we were, 95, whatever we were giving you. In rooms. In, in his, rooms. In, in rooms. <laughs> Yeah, so that was in BK Sir's name, okay. After this break, we're going to come back and we're going to talk X's and O's. And wow, did we have a lot of O's when we played against each other. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by MetPro, a world-renowned concierge nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle coaching company. MetPro is a proven platform to help people transform their bodies. Metabolic profiling is a process that allows MetPro to get a baseline to see exactly how your body is responding against a very specific set of variables. Their experts are trained to take those results and translate that into simple action steps. What you should eat, how you should train, and what your strategy should be to obtain your goals. MetPro's coaches are not only educated experts in their field, but they're empathetic to people that have demanding schedules and often stressful lives. They will work with you one-on-one to help you identify the best nutrition and fitness strategy that is going to work for your personal goals and lifestyle needs. And as a Coaching You listener, you can receive a complimentary metabolic profiling assessment and a 30-minute consultation with a MetPro expert. To claim this offer, head over to metpro.co slash coaching you. Again, that's metpro.co slash coaching you to receive your free assessment and consultation with a MetPro coach. And we're back with Coach Matthew Driscoll, University of North Florida, and I love the way you play. I mean, I mean, of all the ways that you can play basketball offensively, I think it is perfect. Talk about how you decided to play the way you play and how do you teach it? You know, the philosophy really came from, you know, just looking around, seeing things and seeing what you have a connection with. Cause I think it's hard to teach something you don't know. Mm-hmm. Early, I wanted to be a Princeton guy because <laughs> we had coached against it so much with Herb Sendek in the ACC. And then 
I became really good friends with Doug Novak, great Division Three coach up in Bethel in Minnesota, and Lenny Acuff is now in our league in Lipscomb. They become great friends of mine, and we were doing all kind of, you know, chalk talk and clinics and then driving down and meeting and all those kind of salt and pepper shakers, all those good things. And I thought I was going to be a Princeton, and then I thought I was going to be a flex because I went to what Gary Williams did when he won his national championship. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what, you could flex pin down, you could flex back screen, you could flex flare screen, you can mix up flex and get people mixed up. Well, by the time I got that all written up, I was confused. So that went out the window. And then when I got to Baylor, when Coach Drew had me do the Kansas thing, I thought to myself, you know what, early offense is really, really, really what I really love, what I really think is critical, what I think kids love to play to, recruit to, and all that kind of stuff. So that experiment or that job that he gave me when I first got there to to watch Kansas actually came to fruition when we came to North Florida. So that's where the earliness, the pitch ahead, the early threes, they hit the rim runner. And, and, and from a practice standpoint, we practice it daily. We warm up to it. And that's how we warm up. Like, like I'll never be a pressing team and we don't press. So if you don't press, well, put seven out there. Well, I don't believe in that because I think seven makes the floor shrink and it doesn't look the same. And my seven guys still don't look like your five guys. So we just don't do it. So every day we warm up with press offense and then we go to early offense and we go to different, different calls and different terminology, which we'll get back to in a minute. So I think it, it, it's really critical that you embrace what you feel like you can coach and what you feel like fits best for the kind of guys that you wanted to recruit. So that's where the early offense come, came. And then I study a team every summer, like this summer it's Northeastern. So as you're studying these teams and you're looking at these teams, you're like, I really like this. I really like this. Well, I really love everybody. Why did everybody love Billy Donovan? Cause he was a pressing coach. Remember that? Uh, yeah. Black press, white press, yada, yada, yada. Well, I love Billy Donovan because it was, Ball screen, ball screen, ball screen, ball screen, ball screen. Then all of a sudden, I know you had a lot of influence on him and, and a couple other guys that had influence on him. Next thing you know, I'm like, this is good. This is good. I really like that. Let's do this. I love this part. Bada bing, bada boom. So all this ball screen stuff came into play. And then from being with Coach Drew, you put those couple quick hitters in there that you want to get your either hot guy or the guy you want to get a shot for or yada, yada, yada. So you have that aspect of it as well, too. So that's kind of how the offensive flaw. And then what's crazy is, and you know this, next thing you know, like there's there's one of our, our best situations that we do when we go double high ball screen. That whole situation happened by complete accident when Bo Beach was a freshman. And he did it on complete accident. And I'm like, what just happened? Man, that was awesome. So then I figured it out, and next thing you know, we do it from the middle. We do it from the side. We do we do it from all kind of different ways. Just because Bo did it on accident, and it, and it really worked well. So you know when you have those things that you stumble upon, you start finding them, and then you you know you tweak them and and, and, and you grow them. And the other thing too is, you know, from a terminology standpoint, I think that's critical to to, to your philosophy or to the way in which you do things because it's twofold. Number one basically when the ball gets stuck because it's going to get stuck because either they scouted you really well, somebody fumbled it, they covered the ball screen differently than you thought, well, now you got to have players. And all we say is players make plays. Like I said that one time mm-hmm. after the NCAA tournament, like like ballers are ballers and dudes are dudes. So players make plays. So if you don't have players, it don't matter what play you run. Just like when people used to call me and say, Coach, I want to run Baylor zone. I'm like, okay, you got 21 feet length across the back of your uh, your line. 
If you've got 21 feet to, uh, finger to finger, then I can help you. So it's the same thing with, with offense. And, and as, we, as we grew it or as we grow it, the one thing about terminology is when the ball gets stuck, you've got to have concepts. So if you're inside pick and roll with a loaded side, what are you going to do? If you're inside pick and roll with, with a naked side, what are you going to do? Are you going to twist it? Are you going to stay solid? When you go to middle pick and roll, how are you going to do it? Are you going to roll and replace? Well, you got a great pop guy. Is he always going to pop or can he roll or pop? And then you got confusion. So do you make it more, 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 more stationary? Like this is what we're going to do. Or do you make it more freelance where guys can do whatever they want to do? And sometimes that doesn't work out well. Sometimes it does. So. As you get through that, the terminology comes into play. Now you got concepts with terminologies. Now you got players instead of plays. And then when you get the scouting, now it's that's just like this. That's just like this. This is the way they do this. It's the same as our this. So now all that stuff comes into play. We spent on our very first time together as a staff, we spent almost four hours in the locker room doing offensive and defensive terminology. Because I, I didn't want it to be our my terminology. I wanted it to be our terminology. So how are we going to be on the same page? So Shy calls it a stagger, and you call it a single single. Right. So what do we call it? I, I don't want to have two words for it. What do you want to call it? You want to call it a stagger or a single single? So when we do scouting, it's the same way. You want to call it a gate or you want to call it an elevator? Mm-hmm. You want to call it a flare or do you want to call it a fade? You want to call it a, you know, all this different stuff. Screen so, down versus so, pin so down. So terminology right. is yeah. really, really important for us, and it's critical to our offense and in, in, in the way in which we play. I think that's one of the most important things. And uh, as I always say at our events, our clinics, is that uh, we have to speak one language. And you might have been in the pros with Shy and stuff. They have eight guys on the staff now. It used to be just a head coach and two assistants in the NBA, but now there's so many guys there, you don't even know their names. And now, but, you know, and so, you know, I, I, I think, you know, it's not a, you know, we both believe it's really not a democracy. I mean, it's got a, the most important person that has to be comfortable, I think, is the head coach. You know, I don't want to turn a head coach into talking the way I talk and then he's not effective. So it's got to be him and then, you know, maybe the person with the most or two people with the most input as teachers that they they're speaking the same language. But if you don't speak the same language, you know, uh, back when you were talking Princeton, back cut, back door. I mean, they're all the same thing, but which one are we going to use? Pin down, you know, for instance, yeah. too. What, you know, what do you call like, like, what do you call when two guys, like, you know, they hit the elbow and then they come, the, the, the two guys come, come, come together, together. Face, yeah. face, one one undercuts, the one pops, or the other guy back cuts, and the other guy pops. You know, what do you call that? Yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I never. We coached. call we call we call that come together. So, yeah, and and that's what know. happened when I was with some people a couple of years ago when. People were doing it, and they said, "Well, when they run a come together, I said, "What the hell is a come together you know <laughs> uh, you know uh, and and but you know what it made a lot of sense, and now you know I always say uh, Matthew that you know um you know i if you teach me something like today i'll you know I will give you credit for it one time." And then after that, it's mine. You know, <laughs> is that a disclaimer? Yeah. Oh, that's my but, disclaimer. But you know what? But you know what, Brent, you know what Brent, it goes back to what you said earlier. So you're sitting there with Doug Novak. You're sitting there with Jimmy Tillett. You're sitting there with uh, uh, Dwayne Revis. It used to be a Birmingham. So you're sitting there with 
um, um, with um, 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 it doesn't matter. Lenny, Lenny, Lenny Acuff. Yeah, all those guys. You're sitting there with all these guys all over your career, and what you do is when you hear something or you see something or you like something, you put it in a book and you say, "I, I really like that." No, don't like it because it looks great because of the way Lenny Acuff runs it. Like it because of the way you think it fits into what you want to teach and all those kind. I'll give you a good example. We won a championship. We we put something in. We went to the Florida Clinic that you helped put on, and um, Lenny was there as a speaker. Mm-hmm. And when he got done, we started talking about something. And I'm probably the only Division One coach, by the way, in America that ever was a manager um, uh, during one of his games. By the way, hand out waters and towels. One of the kids came down. He 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 got the water from. Me. He came down to coach. He said, Coach. Who's the guy giving us water? <laughs> but, uh, but 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 Lenny and I go back a long way. But but he told me he says, Coach, here's something really really good we've been doing, and it's Princeton-ish. But I think it'll fit in for your Bo Beach kid. And I think he might have made one or two buckets against you off of it. But um, uh, but, but 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 point is, yeah. you know, that's a little carrot or a little tweak or a little something, and we added it to our offense, and it it, it made a huge difference. You so know, I think you have yeah. to be willing to change. Well, you know, and 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 it goes back to the Kevin Eastman shy philosophy of um, if we're doing this, we better be learning every day, and we're continual learners. We're never going to stop, and when you stop, that's it. Shut the lights out, turn the lights off. We're over. We're done. And so I think you know, and that's why you and I, no matter what, no matter where we are, we're going to go to that Florida clinic each year because we have this insatiable desire to win. And not to yep. win. I'm sorry. To learn. To learn. Yeah, but to win too. Yeah, you know, I'm an assi- I'm an assistant, so it's not a big deal for me. But as a head coach, you got to. Okay, now for our listeners, of which there are many, let's talk about the greatest game I ever coached in versus UNF oh, at Lord. LSU. Okay, um, so I do the scout that day. And I go through, and I I know. By the I, way, you have Ben Simmons. Make sure everybody no, knows. No, that. no, we we, we <laughs> no comment. And so we, I go through the scout, and I'm trying to tell these guys. They, they I'm saying they got a better point guard than we do, and they got a guy that would start for us at forward. And and so you're trying to tell them, and they're like, Yeah, okay, right, okay. Now all of a sudden we come out, and you don't. You don't make some shots. You hit us in the mouth. I mean, big time. I mean, <laughs> and like threes raining from everywhere. And at every time out, I said, see, see, you didn't listen. Okay, see. All right. So tell tell our listeners. We're not going to bore them. You and I could do play-by-play for two hours on this. Tell our listeners how many points you scored against my preparation, my defense. Well, first of all, Let's make sure we have this clear. We made 19 threes to open up at Illinois when we beat them. Wow. So it was pretty evident that we were decent and we were going to be okay. And then the second thing is, if you would have taped over the north on our uniform and it said Florida, yes, your guys would have been a whole lot more excited to play. Because that's the reality of it. Yeah. And it's the reality of every level. When you're at our level and you're playing somebody, maybe you're, you're maybe a Division two or, or an NAIA or whatever, it, there, there, there's, there, there's a lot of that stuff that goes on, um, and so that's, that's probably at the forefront of it. Is yeah. you know, you got to come every day, and 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 everybody says that, and it's easy to say it, but but the great ones and the great teams, they do, they do, and they bring it every day, and they understand it doesn't matter 
who we're going against. We're just going to do what we do and be who we are. That's what we talk about all the time. And, you know, I got on the yellow. I'll give you the best story. So the game's over, and uh, we had two guys. One ended up with the Nets um, uh, G League team, and the other one ended up playing with the Nuggets. And um, I get on the elevator, and um, the guy, I look to strut, and the guy gets on. I think there were 11 or 14, yeah. something like that. Scouts NBA there. scouts, yep. And I get on, and the Knicks scout gets on the elevator with me. And I'm leaning against the back. I'll never forget this. I got my legs crossed. I'm leaning against the back. My head's down. And I look up, and I see who it is. And he sees me, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, hey, coach. And he's like, uh, what a heck of a game. What a heck of a game. And I'm sitting there looking at him, and I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding me? He's like, and then he says this, 108 points, coach? I'm sorry, 109 points, coach. Wow, you guys were on fire. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, and we gave up 118. <laughs> he said, I know, coach. I know, coach. But, man, what a game. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm the coach, man. I ain't the fan. Now, if I was a fan of the game, man, I'd have been. Like, that's a basketball game. Yeah. 118 to 109. It was an incredible game, and it was a basketball game. It was the kids were playing they were hooping. And, oh, yeah. And, and you know, I, you know what's funny? I, I don't even remember the officials because they were not. Oh, I do. Do you? <laughs> yeah. You probably. I know. Yeah. yeah I'm going to say their names to protect the innocent. Because, <laughs> you know, what's funny is there was a huge POV play, and one of our guys got in foul trouble on it. And, and like, two months later, he had one of our games. He said, Coach, I went back and looked at that video, and you were right. I think I missed that one. <laughs> I said, that's all right, bro. I said, I missed a couple calls. We missed some shots. And it's not your fault. But it's it, not it, the official's fault. No, it, it was a great basketball game and played at a really high caliber. And, and as you know, pro basketball, the guys play on the road all the time incredibly well. You can't even tell the difference sometimes. But in college, oh, wow. the college, the level of play from home to road is staggering. And – you know, your kids are used to playing on the road because you have to play so many early in the season. But they came right. in there that we had a packed house. They weren't intimidated at all. And they're playing against maybe one of the best, uh, since LeBron, the best first-round pick in the league at t t yeah. between him and Zion, you know, LeBron and Zion. Yeah. And, and and this is a guy that did not need college. That's how good he was. And, man, it was – and if we don't have him uh, because you – what, what did he score that game? Forty-three. Ben. Yeah. How about how about that? You know, I mean. Yeah. I'm sorry. It, it was one nineteen one oh eight. I just pulled it up. It was one nineteen one oh eight. Excuse me. I, I, I don't want to short you on those no, points. And, and, and Matthew, the great thing is that head coach, you don't, you you never leave things. <laughs> I mean, you know, they they're with you. How many years later? But I'll tell you what. That was that was basketball. That was a great game. And as always, my friend, it is so good. Uh, I'm so excited now that we're in the same league together. Just not the idea of playing against you, but just the idea of seeing you a couple of times a year and I stuff. Appreciate that. And I, 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 I appreciate that. Thanks you, for having you me. You are so great for basketball, so great for coaches, and I really appreciate what you do. And thanks for being a guest with our people today. Thank you a ton. And I'm looking forward to uh, – actually, I'm looking forward to having you around as well because I know learning is so critical, and, and I know you're you're a giver. And I think the greatest gift in life is the gift of giving. And I'm thankful that you're in my life. So I appreciate you. Matthew, thank you, brother. Thanks, brother. Uh, one of my absolute favorite coaches in the game. 
uh, one of the people I love to learn and, and, you know, just spend time with because he's just not an excellent basketball coach. He's a better person. Uh, and he is a great teacher of life. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and I think, you know, you enjoyed it as I did, but I think you're really going to, Matthew Driscoll is a stud. He's a star. And I think you're really going to enjoy that podcast. Uh, listen, next few days, you're going to be able to go to coachingyou.tv and you will be able to pick out all of our videos from our event that we had in Vegas and order those videos for your staff. And, uh, you know, and I think you're really going to enjoy them. One of the best events we've ever had, coachingyou.tv. Uh, go there, order, get those streaming videos right to you. Till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Serve.